Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, eternitynow.com. E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. Go to our website and click Support Us to see how you can help bring the good news of eternal life to one million people this year. Thanks for listening. Now for one of my recent messages. In following Christ, we're often overwhelmed by our own sinfulness, our failure to keep God's commandments. We want so much to do better, to justify Christ sacrificing His life for ours. But what we really need to do is focus on and celebrate His great love for us. He has grace and mercy untold. For all of those who committed to him as Lord and Savior, regardless of their flaws and faults. I'll tell you more in today's message, Jesus and his bride, a love story. From Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. Father God, I pray that you'll empower me to do justice to the message that you've given me. Oh Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will go out and touch each one, drawing them closer to Christ. We pray for salvation, sanctification, and the filling of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of ministry. We thank you, Lord God, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, many years ago in my doctoral program at the University of Texas at Austin, I studied the Song of Solomon in Hebrew with a wonderful conservative Jewish teacher. It's a beautiful poem, long and deep, actually called in Hebrew, Shara Sharim, the song of songs, the idea of the best song of all songs. And we know from the chapters in 1 Kings that Solomon wrote 1,005 songs. Well, on the face, this is the tale of Solomon and a favorite wife. In reality, it's a love story starring the Lord Jesus Christ and his church, his bride, as we are often referred to in the Gospel of John, as well as the Apostles' other major work, the revelation of Jesus Christ. We start with verse 1. The daughters of Jerusalem, where has your beloved gone, O fairest among women? Where has your beloved turned aside, that we may seek him with you? The friends of the Shulamite, that is the church, question her about the whereabouts of her husband after the two have had a misunderstanding. She thought he was coming home, but when she opened the door, he wasn't there. She went about the city, roaming through the night, trying desperately to find him. So the world asked us, where is your Lord Jesus Christ? Why hasn't he come yet? Is he really going to return like you say he is? Well, no, we don't know that hour or the day, just as Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew 24, 36. But we have known him intimately, and he has promised to come back to take us with him, and so we shall ever be with the Lord. Our beloved cannot lie. Though the wait is long, his love is strong and will not be proven wrong. Verse 2, the Shulamite woman my beloved has gone to his garden, to the beds of spices, to feed his flock in the gardens, and to gather lilies. The woman, we, the church here, says, I know where he is. He's with his own who have gone before the great cloud of witnesses of his. We read about in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. 
He feeds those who have lived for him already. And looking forward to reuniting with us below, he's gathering a bouquet of the very best flowers. On the cross, Jesus promised that thief who could only repent to him in a moment in time, today you shall be with me in paradise. The Greek word for that destination means the same as the Hebrew term in this verse, gone for garden or enclosure. Could it be like the garden of Eden? Song of Solomon 6, verse 3 may be familiar. And oh, it should be that it should stir the most wonderful affection in your heart. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He feeds his flock among the lilies. The woman, the church, states her faith and love toward Christ clearly. We are each other's. We belong to each other. I recall ministering late one night online to a young man who said that he was a gay Christian witch. He's doing good work, doing the work of the church, but I felt the Holy Spirit say, come away. Stop for just a moment. I did. And immediately I heard this first. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. All of a sudden, the most wonderful peace came into me and over me. For the next 24 hours, though I was going back home at Christmas time from visiting Arizona all the way to Amarillo, Texas, I could not have undue concern, couldn't worry, couldn't have any kind of trouble. I was able to do all my dues. I was able to drive fun. I was able to have lunch, all the rest of it. But it was just a little sneak peek at heaven where I'm sure it will be even greater in peace because there's no sin anywhere there. How magnificent. We taste a little bit sometimes of the powers of the age to come. He who suffered, bled, and died for us never, never will mislead us. He says, wait and you shall inherit all things, the kingdom of God and power. Verse 4 is the beloved saying, Oh, my love, you are as beautiful as Tirshah, lovely as Jerusalem, awesome as an army with banners. <laughs> the beloved, our Jesus, compares us in beauty and stature to the ancient capital of the ten tribes of Israel, where its kings lived and ramparts gleamed. <laughs> Tershaw means delightful or pleasurable. Our Lord adds that we are as resplendent as an army with all of its banners. You see, in those days, the ancient times, uh, the soldiers used to carry different kinds of signs that would have emblems or symbols of their sovereign, their king, in our case, we would probably have a crown of thorns. We might have a cross. We could have an empty tomb. When all of the soldiers are in clean and pressed and pure apparel, holding high the standards of their cause, the gleam of the sun on their arsenal, their medals, their epaulets, oh, it is a striking, striking sight. Verse 5 of Song of Solomon 6, the beloved continues, Turn your eyes away from me. For they have overcome me. Your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Gilead. Our beloved Jesus praises us, his beloved, forgetting our mistakes, weaknesses, sins. The eyes, of course, are the windows to the soul. Jesus himself said in Matthew that if your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is darkness. 
Our stare at this world may be hard, for its evil is great, but our gaze at our Lord is adoring, and it smites his heart. Hair covers our crown, too, giving us protection and reflecting the depths of God's care for us. Verse 6 says, Your teeth are like a flock of sheep which have come up from the washing. Everyone bears twins, and none is barren among them. Our mouths in Christ have turned from cursing to blessing by his power, from building up ourselves to lauding the Lord, just as Psalm 150 says to do. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of a trumpet. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And that's where... The Trinity Broadcasting Network's, TBN's, signature program's name comes from. Praise the Lord. <laughs> when we speak in this way, Jesus is so delighted with us. For out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks, he says in Matthew 12, 34. He knows that we are utmost thinking of him, meditating on him, speaking from the heart about him, our Lord and Savior, our beloved. Verse 7, the beloved continues, like a piece of pomegranate are your temples behind your veil. Now the pomegranate is deeply red. It shines in the sunshine. The beloved Jesus remembers the loveliness of our temples, even though the veil of earth covers them. But he knows that when the veil is removed, that our meditation upon him behind those temples will bring them forth lustrously with wonderful shine and light. Verses 8 and 9, the beloved says, There are sixty queens and eighty concubines and virgins without number. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one, the only one of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her. The daughters saw her and called her blessed, the queens and the concubines, and they praised her. <laughs> These 140 wives and concubines probably sound like quite a few, but we know that toward the end of his life, he had a total of a thousand, according to 1 Kings 11.3. <laughs> there must, however, be a favorite one, and the Shulamite is that one. And so it is with we in the church. Only about a quarter of all the earth today claims to be Christian. Three quarters, not. So we are a select group, even though we are many. All throughout history, it has been the same way. As Christ himself said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, that wide is the path that leads to destruction, and many find it. But narrow is the way that leads to life, and few pass thereby. God's given people intelligence and strength and wisdom to do innumerable mighty works, beauty to adorn his magnificent creation, foresight to build immense institutions and kingdoms. Yet all those pale in comparison with his true love, the church, the Christians of all time, who against all odds have been redeemed by his blood, coming out of that world system, the evil Babylon of manipulation, of control, of lust. Oh, it is a wondrous, wondrous sight to see all of those believers in white, <laughs> without a single spot of sin, 
for the Lord of glory. Our Jesus gave up his dignity, his rightful place at head of the universe, his very life for us. But now we are going to share in his reward. We are going to be the reflection of his glory on a world that for a thousand years will have no war, no sin, no strife, no evil, no manipulations. Uh, the former things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is life and that more abundant, as Christ promised in John 10, verse 10. And now, verse 10 of Song of Solomon 6. Who is she who looks forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, awesome as an army with banners? Bright, clean, clear, and glorious is the church to our groom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And our beloved repeats his comparison of us to an army with banners. An army has many soldiers, each one gleaming with the purity, the cleanliness, the readiness of their charge. Could you imagine how we as the army of heaven will look following Christ, our commander-in-chief, on his immaculate white horse as he leads us into battle at Armageddon <laughs> to end all time? Hmm. Verses 11 and 12 of Song of Solomon 6. The Shulamite says, I went down to the garden of nuts to see the verdure of the valley, to see whether the vine had budded and the pomegranates had bloomed. Before I was even aware, my soul had made me as the chariots of my noble people. The woman is going about her business, praying, hoping on her beloved. Then she comes across him. Oh, and her heart leaps. <laughs> her heart leaps for joy. Here we, the church, the Shulamite, do our labor in Christ faithfully until we go to be with him either by rapture or by that moment of death. One day soon we are going to be uh, taken by surprise wonderfully, knowing the season, but not the exact moment when that voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God sound and we meet the Lord in the air and are ever with our Lord Jesus Christ. From that moment on, no sin, no shame, no smut. The former things have passed away. Our hearts will be full of joy. Our countenance cheerful. So glad we'll ever be with the Lord. That blessed of the Father. And our final verse of Song of Solomon 6, verse 13. The daughters of Jerusalem say, Return, return, O Shulamite. Return, return, that we may look upon you. And the Shulamite answers, What would you see in the Shulamite, as it were? The dance of the two camps. When we, the bride of the beloved, head to heaven, those left in the world will see God's glory upon us, and they'll ask us to come back so that they can see it. However, it's going to be too late to see us thusly. They are going to have to come to Jesus Christ in salvation and be faithful to him, seeing him at the second coming or by death. Then we will be the most beautiful we shall ever be, having been hidden away in the bride and groom's chambers, just like in the ancient Jewish rituals. The back rooms sharing a little meal before our announcement of that wedding feast and the consummation of this love of the ages of all time. <laughs> oh, we'll be with our Lord Jesus for seven years. Can you imagine the kind of shine, the kind of glory, the kind of beauty that he will 
bestow on us having been in the radiance of the one who redeemed the universe for a week of years. Ah, but with holy humility, we will wonder what the world would ever see in us. We've had to dance in the two camps, being of God, but yet being on a sinful earth, battling against the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of this life. My friend, if you have worshipped Christ, you have followed him, you've been changed by his spirit, do not fear being left behind at the time of the rapture or that you will fail in the hour of judgment. While God speaks clearly, the devil pushes innuendo, feelings that are deceptive, thoughts that are false, twisting us, peddling fear in this last age before his final demise. <laughs> Once we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we simply must abide in him, seek him, remain in him, seeking him ourselves as well as in community with those in the church universal and in the local church as well. We pray, read his word, love him and his people, dwell in his house, and pursue personal relationship with him. What a day, a glorious day. That will be when my Savior I shall see, as the old hymn says, when we go to live with Christ forever, no more to struggle, down here below. But unless we bow the knee to the Lord today, will be ravaged by the tribulations, hell on earth, than the true hell for all eternity without end. I've heard I want to ask you, are you saved by Jesus today? Do you know him? Do you desire to know him better? Or are you still thinking you can save yourself? Friend, you can't throw yourself a life preserver. God has to do that in the news of the gospel we're an evangelism group, above all, as this church. And we are putting forth that good news that we can be saved right now, but there's not much time to go. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, and the hour is late. The night is beginning to fall when no man can work, as Jesus called it in John 9-4, that tribulation, and then that final judgment. Don't think that you will escape Antichrist without bowing the knee to Jesus Christ. Our Lord alone is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father. There is no way to salvation. There is no way to eternity with God except by Jesus, by his own words in John 14, 6. The good news is you can still come to him today. And I would tell you if you're not saved, don't wait another minute. Let's do it now. Pursue him and you'll be able to walk right into heaven. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment and you will be able to accept him as Lord and Savior. Let me tell you first what's involved in it. Four points. Number one, you need to repent of your sins. Turn away from them and ask for God's forgiveness. He will surely give it to you. Confess faith in Jesus Christ. He alone walked this earth perfectly as a man because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, having that perfect nature spiritually. And so he is able to redeem the creation. We believe that Jesus Christ rose in body and in spirit the third day in that tomb. Death could not hold him. He has made a spectacle of all those evil powers through that resurrection. And our body, our spirit must be resurrected or we will be bouldering in the grave. We also need to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
We keep his commandments. We do as he said. We pray in his name. We go forth and tell people the good news of salvation in Christ. Oh, no, we're not going to be perfect about it. We are going to sin. We're going to have some mistakes. We're going to have some problems. But when we bring them to the Lord of glory, he'll forgive us each one. We just need to keep walking toward the cross. Keep walking in that narrow way that leads to life. And all will be forgiven. And one day our stride is going to take us right into heaven above. I'm going to leave that prayer now I mentioned. You can repeat after me what I'm saying. If you believe it, then it counts. And your salvation begins there. Then you can keep it up to the steps of discipleship I'll mention in a moment. And indeed, you'll walk right into heaven one day. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Father God, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. I confess Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe he rose the third day in the tomb in both body and spirit. I will follow him as Lord and Savior. Repenting should I fall. Come into my heart, Lord God, and save me. In Jesus' name. Amen. So be it, my friend, that it is. A short prayer, but a big leap from death to life. Now you might be saying, well, now that I've made a commitment to Christ... What do I do? <laughs> Very few folks will tell you. I thought about that. I need to do that as a pastor. I need to tell people what the steps of discipleship now are. Having accepted Christ. Number one, get baptized in the water. We immerse. The amount of water isn't so much. We did do it by immersion, though. And baptize, actually that word baptizo, in the Greek means exactly that, to immerse somebody. It needs to be done as a public profession of your faith. You can think silently, but you can only be baptized publicly. We also need to read the Bible. The scriptures are full of wisdom. Everything we need for life and godliness, the Proverbs say. And so we need to possess the land of Christ. He's promised us 7,500 times in the scriptures, but we need to know them to be able to possess them. We then pray to have them. Pray, O oh Lord, let me not have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. He shall answer that, because that's 2 Timothy 1.7, and the scripture shall not return void. It shall accomplish what the Lord set it forth to do, as he says in Isaiah 55. We come to church. We need to be among other people. Don't just hibernate in your house, if at all possible. And maybe you can't get out. That's something different, something about health. But be with the people of God. Be with us online if you don't have a Bible-believing and practicing church where you are. We have Bible study. We're available for pastoral counsel. Uh, we have our worship services. So be with us at eternitynow.com, here at facebook.com slash eternitynowmedia, and the other places where we can be seen on the internet. You can also, by the way, write to me at khuckins, K-H-U-C-K-I-N-S, at eternitynow.com, khuckins at eternitynow.com, eternity as in forever. I'd be happy to get your prayer requests, answer any questions. We can also talk on the phone and the rest.
fellowship with other believers. We need to get to know each other outside of church. I call people, I text them, I visit with them, we have coffee together, the rest of it. So we get to know each other. That's how we become a fighting force for the Lord Jesus. And we can storm the gates of hell, as he said that we would in Matthew 16, 18. We also can help each other that way. I don't know to pray for you, for your health, unless you tell me. I, I don't know that you need a job unless you let me know. But I can connect you with someone then if I hear of someone with a job opening. If you tell me, God can send someone your way to mention that idea. Maybe there's something that you can do to make a little money. These are ways that the Holy Spirit works when we are in community in the church. Also, pursue personal relationship with God. There is but one God, his name is Yahweh, which means I am that I am. The self-existent one, we could translate that. And by the way, Jesus' name is actually Yeshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. He's a very strong witness, even by saying his own name, and we by saying his name. God made us cell by cell, uh, beginning this whole process of procreation. He also is responsible for putting together our soul, putting it into that body. And so he knows us inside and out, quite literally. Nothing is hidden from him. Anything we've thought, we've done, we've said, he can access. But he forgives us all when we come to him in Jesus Christ. And he wants us to get to know him. I'll remember that Jesus said in his last teaching before going to the cross, the Father himself loves you. Ah, yes. And so he does. And so get to know him. Spend time with him. Have devotions with him each day. Pray to him. Read his word. Be with his people. Share the gospel with somebody. And you'll be blessed. My friend, you'll be blessed. I've lived it. I've been without him as an adult, and I've been with him. And oh, I would far, far more rather be with him. Got a little more time on the side of God than I have on the side of the world. 28 and a half years with him, 26 years without him. And I'll tell you, it's not always easy, but it's always good with the Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed in his name today. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this broadcast. For more, including links to all our programs and social media, go to eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. We have over 100 videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's eternitynow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. I'm going to shine.